Romans chapter number 12 today. We are in week number two of our series, Missing Peace. And we started this last week, and so we're going to jump right into things today. Uh, We're going to kind of build a little bit off last week. Last week we talked about, is it even possible to have peace? Where does our peace come from? And we said that it's not found in the absence of problems, it's found in the presence of God, having our mind fixed on Him, stayed on Him, focusing on Him. And so today we're going to talk about how we can have peace in spite of other people. All right, so, so let's, let's spend a little bit of time talking about that this morning. Um, I'm sure that many of you can probably relate to this. Don't look around the room when I ask this question, especially if they're in here, but how many of us know someone who's really difficult to love? Okay, don't raise your hand. Don't look at anybody. Um, don't look at me real close. Uh, but uh, how many of us know someone who's really, really difficult to love? Uh, I'm not even talking about whether we like them or not. I mean, you can't even show the love of Jesus to them. It's real hard to do that. Uh, and, and especially the last couple of years, it seems they have produced more of those people. Uh, it's just made it even harder. Uh, but, uh, and then you add on top of that this normal time of year where we have our normal fair share of, of crazy with people and relational crazy. And then you've got those people that just go extra. You know, they're crazy with you know, whipped cream on top. Uh, and, and the people that we find it hardest to, uh, to get along with, um, experts, whoever they are, uh, experts say that as they, as they look at this, these past couple of years dealing with COVID and all of the repercussions of those, uh, those events and everything that's gone on to that, they say that it's going to take decades to see the full impact of what society and, and this time of over the last couple of years uh, of quarantine and, and just the stress of everything going on, it's going to take decades to see the full, uh, the impact of, of COVID health and, and not just our physical health, but, but our mental health, our emotional health, uh, our relational health. And, and, and I think we can probably all agree that early indications are that it's not going well for a lot of people. Uh, you know, you, you, you just see the tension and, and, and you, you, you think about that. It's, it's no wonder. It's a perfect scenario. You know, you get people that are worried about health and they're worried about other people's health and they're worried about how other people's health can affect their health. And there's tension and quarantine and, and arguments and different opinions about everything because nobody knows exactly what's right or wrong. And, and so there's, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stress. The world's shutting down. Uh, you've got the stress of some people having to work from home or do school from home and, and not sure what's going to happen and how everything's going to turn out. And there's depression, isolation, and disappointment after disappointment. You get together with family and there's arguments over COVID. You get together with friends and, and people have opinions about whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether you should get a vaccine or not get a vaccine, whether you should get like five boosters or not. Uh, There's all kinds of opinions about all of that. And I think what we're what we're seeing, and and I think that this has been termed by those that like to name times, we're living in what's being being known as the age of perpetual offense. The age of perpetual offense. Um, you know, we're, we're so on edge because of everything else that's going on that if somebody is just slightly different for us, we're quick to judge them. 
and we're quick to call them out and we're quick to, 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 to say that, you know, what you have said in your opinion and, and how you believe and, and what you think is right, it offends me. Uh, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to call foul. I'm going to be offended. Um, can I say this to you um, as, as we think about wanting to have peace? Because that, that's the exact opposite of peace. Uh, that tension, that stress, that fear, that anxiety, that, that constant conflict, butting heads with people, people you don't even know, uh, people that, that you've never even met before, but because they're wearing a mask in public, you don't like them. Uh, that constant conflict that we have with people. Uh, listen to this. If you are on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you are looking for. If you are in a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. It doesn't matter. There, there, especially in the day and age in which we live in, when you can access everyone and their brother's second distant cousin's opinion on social media 24-7, you will always find a way to be offended if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but this is what we need to remember, all right? Nobody wins, including especially you, when you live offended. Nobody wins. Uh, no, nobody has ever said that my life was more productive because I was always offended. Nobody ever said that my life was better because I was always offended. I'm always offended. I'm, a, I'm Karen, you know. Uh, no, no, nobody said their life was better because of that. Um, and so this is, this is the one thought that I want you to take from today. We're, we're going to look at uh, how Scripture says that we cannot... Uh, not be offended so easily. Uh, but this is the one thought that I want you to take from this. Being offended is inevitable. This is, I think, the next thing on your handout. Being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. Jesus said that, right? Um, that's life. Being offended is inevitable. This is what you have to remember. Living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen for all of us. I mean, there's two Auburn fans sitting on the front row here. I'm offended. Uh, living offended is a choice. So today, as we, as we talk about having peace in spite of having to deal with people, uh, we've entitled this one, if you've got the digital notes, you see the title. The title of this lesson is Help! These people are driving me crazy. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into this today. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that in Jesus we can know joy, we know hope, and certainly we know peace. And not peace as the world gives, as you said, but peace that you give. Peace that you have made for us with God the Father that we can extend now to other people. And so I pray today, Father, that as we look at your word, that you teach us, Holy Spirit living within us, produce that peace of God, that fruit of the Spirit, that peace of God that we need uh, in order to be able to show it to others. I pray that we would choose uh, to live a life of peace as we look to you. I pray that you be glorified by everything that goes on today. Uh, we ask this in your name. Amen. So we're in Romans chapter number 12, Romans 12, and, and we spent a little bit of time in Romans 12 a couple of weeks ago when we were going through our series on Great Commission worship, and we said that Romans 12 is the supernatural life of the renewed mind. It's, it's a life that you and I cannot produce ourselves. It's not natural for us. It's supernatural. It's a, a life that, that can only be produced when our minds are being renewed by the Spirit of God, the mind that has peace through Christ. And can I remind you, uh, 
this is, again, building off of last week. You will never have peace with others without first knowing the peace of God. You will never have... This lesson, everything we're going to talk about today, it doesn't matter if you first do not know peace with God. And so, this is a shameless plug. If you were not here last week or you need to be reminded of the truth from last week, then go back and listen to it. Okay? Wherever you listen to your podcast, you can search Driven Student Ministry and you'll be able to find it. Listen to last week's message because that's the starting point. We've got to have that peace with God, that peace that only God gives when we're, when, when we're focused on Him, when our mind, as Isaiah said, is fixed, is stayed on Him. How can you extend to others something that is not real to yourself? You cannot offer peace to others. You cannot offer peace in relationships without knowing it first yourself. And so, we're in Romans chapter number 12. Look at verse number 14 today. Romans 12, verse number 14. The Bible says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Notice how Paul starts these verses. Verse 14. Persecute you. Bless them which persecute you. Now, it's interesting what he, or to whom Paul says we're to direct this blessing. He says, I don't want you to direct this blessing to those you love the most. I don't want you to direct this blessing to those you like the most. I don't want you to even direct this blessing to someone you're indifferent to, some, some passerby that you've never even spoke to that you don't have a relationship with, and so you haven't developed positive or negative thoughts towards this person. No, I'm asking to someone who is directly opposing you, someone who is in conflict with you. I want you to direct this blessing to you. Now, the word bless here, bless them which persecute you, comes from the Greek word eulog eho. Eulog eho. It comes from two Greek words, eu, which means good, and logos, which means word. And so bless comes from two words, put it together, good word. The definition is to speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone. To speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone. Bless them, speak well of someone who persecutes you. Excuse me? Bless them, speak well of, wish the best, wish the best blessings for someone who is opposing you. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Um, wish the best blessings for someone. You know, you're thinking about that. It's easy to speak well of someone that I like. I, I have no problem telling you all the things that I love about my wife. I have no problem tell you, telling you all the wonderful things about all of you people that were a part of the Christmas program. Okay? I have no problem doing that. Uh, it's those that uh, are not included in that. It's the rest of the people that are the problem. You know? uh, even Think about this. How many of you have been here? Even those that we don't know, and they're doing something that's not hurting us, but it just irritates us. You know? how, how many of you, you've been driving down the road, and you've had that one person that's kind of 
They've tailgated you. You know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Maybe it happened today on the way to church. And uh, you're driving, maybe it's down Schillinger. You're driving down Schillinger. They're tailgating you. And uh, as soon as they can, they whip around you and they start flying down the road. And what's your first thought? Man, where's the policeman when, the, when, when you need one? And then you, you go down a little ways. Maybe it's on the highway. You catch up to them and you see there's flashing lights on the side of the road. And there's that person. And you're like, hmm, ha, serves them right. Uh, <coughs> that's not blessing, by the way. Uh, that's not what we're talking about um or or even even this okay and we've all been there or maybe not you but i know i have okay you're more spiritual than i am uh even people we do like okay and they're not doing anything to hurt us they're not doing anything that really even affects us but just something that they do irritates us you know something something that they do or that they don't do it's like what what, what are you doing that's not blessing. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, this is—it's it, so extreme. It's—it's it's so interesting. When you study out the Greek language in the Bible in the New Testament, um, whenever you read a command like "bless them which persecute you," again, I've said this many, many times. I'm not an English major, but I know when you start a sentence with a verb, there's an understood "you" that makes it a command. Okay, my. Yeah, right. All right. All the teachers agree. Um, bless them is a command. Whenever you see a command in the English or the Greek language, excuse me, in the New Testament, more often than not, the tense for that Greek, original Greek word is what is known as the present imperative. The present imperative. Now, I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain what exactly that means. Okay. But this is what I know that it, it, it implies for each one of those words. It means whatever that verse is telling you to do means you're supposed to continue doing it. You don't just do it once. You know, an uh, uh, example of that would be when Jesus says, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open. That means you're supposed to keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. And so when we apply it to Romans 12, 14, bless them which persecute you. You're supposed to keep on blessing. What does that mean? Oh boy, this is where I get convicted. Okay? I, I sat with this statement for a very long time this week because it hurts to say this, but man, do we need to hear this. Be a continual... It's not even on the screen. I couldn't even put it on the screen. Be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. Be a continual blessing to those who are continual problems. It's not even in your notes, but I encourage you to write that down. Be a continual who are a continual problem. Man, that hurts. It's, <laughs> you think about that, okay? You say, that is impossible. Do you know the people that I work with? Do you know the people that I go to school with? Yeah, those that work at, at Lighthouse, everybody smiles. Uh, it's probably harder there than anywhere else. I'm just kidding. Um, do you know the people that live in my house? Uh, do you know the people that live in, on my street or in my apartment that live around me? Do you know these people? Uh, it, I may be able to do it for a few minutes, okay? You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll turn one cheek, you know? When, when, when the Bible says turn the other cheek, I'll turn one. But, but after that, I only have two cheeks to give, so I'll, I'm going to be... Um, but to continue doing it, to continue doing it, uh, man, say... Again, you sit down this time of year, you have a meal with people, 
Okay? And inevitably, something controversial comes up, you know, sports, uh, politics, uh, the society that we dwell in today. Uh, you have to keep being a blessing. The job that you work at, there's that one person that likes to push buttons, that one person that likes to say things, that one person that just cannot seem to get it right, and they don't even know that they're not getting it right. Okay? You've got to keep being a blessing. Uh, those people at school, those students that have the worst opinions, those teachers that, have, uh, that, that don't even know they're doing such a bad job, uh, everybody has one of those. Um, You've got to keep being a blessing. Be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. See, here's the thing. We just read that in Romans chapter number 12. But can I remind you how that chapter starts? Can I remind you what we're called to do? The life that leads to us blessing those who persecute us, it starts in Romans 12. 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice. Again, uh, going back to what we talked about with Great Commission worship, worship is not what we're about to do here at 11 o'clock in our service. Worship is the life that we live, and it is a constant thing. It's not one day, it's not one hour, it's not just on Sunday morning. It is a constant life. A living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. No matter how contradictory that sounds through Jesus, who was the ultimate living sacrifice, who is now the living sacrifice, we have the power to be able to do that. Uh, Galatians says, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm I'm a living sacrifice. This sacrifice, this willingness to give ourselves over to the Lord, willingness to keep our minds fixed on Him, to renew our minds, it allows us to, have the, to live that same life that Christ lived, to have the same love that Christ loved, to have the, the same spirit that Christ had, that, that same attitude that Jesus had, to produce the same, to, to, to receive the peace that He has and then to show it to others. What what does Paul say in Philippians? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This this way of thinking, this way of looking at people, this way of approaching your relationships. We got to think that way Uh, because that's what Paul says here in Romans uh, 12, verse 16. He said, be of the same mind. Have that same mindset. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things. Don't be proud, but condescend to men of low estates. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't be conceited. Paul's very clear here. He says, don't be proud and don't be conceited. Uh, In the Greek, that literally means don't be proud and don't be conceited. Just in case you were wondering. Um, Paul says, I, I, I want you to understand that the attitude, the, the spirit, the mindset that Jesus had is what is to be produced in us. Uh, Proverbs said it this way in, in Proverbs 6, don't be wise, be not wise in thine own eyes. Always, always thinking that we're right. Always uh, thinking that we're always in the right. That I can do no wrong. And if someone crosses me, that's where we get offended. We think we're always right. We think that our perspective is the right perspective. That our opinion is the right opinion. And that's what leads us to being offended all the time. Uh, There may be many times when we are right. And let me say this. 
when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to truth, when it comes to what we believe about the Word of God, we don't compromise that. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't change on that. Uh, we don't, and there goes the screen again. Uh, we don't stop uh, believing uh, what, what Christ has given to us. But, but here's the thing that we have to remember. Okay? Jesus didn't tell us to be right. He did not command us to be right. This is the next statement on your handout. He told us to be loving. Again, we don't compromise what we believe. We, we, we hold to what we believe. We hold to being right. But we don't have to prove that we're right. Jesus said, I want you to love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By your what? The fact that you're always right. The fact that you have every I dotted and T crossed. No, he said, by your love one for another. By your loved one for another. Um, you know, <coughs> it doesn't matter what opinion you might hear. You know, the fact that uh, nobody who's a liberal Democrat can be a Christian. Or the fact that uh, Republicans and conservatives and evangelicals, they don't love people. Uh, no, we, we have to get past that. We have to get past small little preferences and opinions. And, and we have to be willing to love. And again, we don't, we don't compromise. We don't change what we believe. We don't, we don't uh, assimilate into culture, remember, from Daniel. But we love. Remember what, Daniel, or what we said about Daniel? Your influence will always... I think this ties together. Your influence will always be limited by the respect that you have for others. This is what we're talking about here. Just having respect, being loving, being caring, being understanding. Listening to someone, not so we can respond to them and tell them how wrong they are, but listening just so we can see their perspective, where they're coming from. Not so we're going to believe like they believe or, or, or accept their beliefs as our own, but just to see their perspective. I think there's room for that. I think we saw that in Daniel's example. We can't see another, if we cannot see another perspective, we can't see where someone else comes from, maybe their background, what has led them to this place. Again, not to receive it as our own, but just to see where other people come from, our impact will always be limited. Our impact will always be limited. I think we see that example in Jesus. Uh, when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, and we know that Jesus knew all things, but when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, he has a conversation with her. No, yes, he, he eventually leads and points her to truth. But he has a conversation with her. Uh, when she goes off on worship in Jerusalem, and they have a conversation. He doesn't correct her right away. And I think we need to be willing to do that, to have respect. Uh, we have to understand why someone does something or says something. And that, and that only comes from when we're willing to have respect, when we're willing to listen, when we're, when we're willing to humble ourselves as Jesus and to bless those that persecute us. Uh, it's been explained this way. Uh, one of the reasons why I think that when we, when we talk to someone or when, when we get offended, when someone does something or says something and we get offended, it's been explained this way. One of the reasons why is because in our mind, when we face conflict, when we face conflict, most, more often than not, most of the time, there is some element of it that we do not understand or do not see. There is some element of misunderstanding in that conflict. And our brains are biologically designed to protect us 
And so everything that we think about that situation or that person or that conversation is going to be slanted so that it makes us look better or feel better or think better. It's always going to cast a negative light on someone else and cast a positive light on us. And so our brains make up a story to fill in what we don't understand. When someone does something, they could have had very... Uh, 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 just just uh, the purest of intentions and they don't even realize that they're offending you. But because our brain has to fill in all the, the empty holes of why they did that, oh, they did it because they hate me. They did it because they're the worst. They did it because they, they, they don't love Jesus. Uh, we, our brains fill in those empty holes and we get offended. Um, I think we said it this way when we were talking about Daniel. When I sin... Excuse me. When you sin, I'm a judge. Remember? When you sin, I'm a judge. When I sin, I'm a defense attorney. You know, if I, if I do something to offend you, there's a reason. Let me, let, me, let me tell you the reason, okay? If I do something to offend you, there's a reason why I did this. You know, you need to give me a break. It's been stressful and it's Christmas season and I'm sorry about all of this. And it's just a terrible, terrible thing. When you offend me, oh, oh my goodness. You better watch out. Hellfire and brimstone. You're the worst. You're terrible. Jesus saved this poor, sir, per, poor, poor soul. We'll get it out there. Where's Matt? Um, and this is, this is what I think we need to understand when it comes to this. Okay? We're coming full circle with this. You can be offended. And that's inevitable. But living offended is a choice, and one of the ways I think we avoid that is we realize this. The devil wants your story about others based in accusations. The devil wants your story about others, the, the story your brain fills in the gaps about, you know, why, why somebody did something, why somebody said something, why somebody is the way that they are. The devil wants the story that your brain comes up with as to why to be based in accusations, not truth. He wants it to be based in accusation. Uh, we know that Revelation calls the devil the great accuser of the brethren. He accuses uh, us before the Father day and night, and he wants us to be able to do the same. He wants our relationships with people in this room, with people in the church, with people in your family, with people that you work with, with people that you go to school with, with people that you just see driving down the road. He wants those relationships to be based in accusations, based on suspicion, looking around and expecting to get hurt at some point. I'm just waiting. Got our fists up. Ready to, ready to let somebody have it. Uh, we're, we're looking around, waiting for betrayal. He, he wants you to look at all of your relationships that way. He wants you to look at relationships just waiting for somebody to let you down so that you can be like, oh, I knew it. They're the worst. He wants you to look at relationships that way. Uh, he, he wants you to look at people and, and think, well, she's all about herself. Or, or he doesn't care. Or I can't trust anyone. That's, that's how he wants you to look at relationships. And, and if you struggle with relationships, if you, if you struggle looking at people, certain people that way, can I tell you that's not the spirit of God. That's not a spirit of blessing. That's not a, a spirit of peace. That's a spirit that comes 
from the devil, a spirit of accusation. Accusations erode relationships, split friendships, destroy churches. The devil wants your story about others based in accusation. But listen, God wants your story about others to be based in love. Uh, Ephesians 4.2 says, With all lowliness and meekness, hum- humility, with long-suffering, being willing to put up with people, forbearing, holding up one another in love. Uh, can I say this? Okay, listen. Your life is too short and your calling and purpose from God is too great to be offended by something small. Your life is too short and your calling and purpose is too great to be offended by something small. Don't be offended by something. People that were a part of this church, that were a part of this Sunday school class and group, have left because they were offended by something very small. And they're missing out on what God has for them. They don't even go to church right now. Don't be offended by something small. Don't be offended by that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jesus was easily offended? I mean, how many times did Jesus have the opportunity to be offended? I mean, how many times did the disciples sleep through a sermon? I I can only imagine. Uh, How many times did, you know, they come to Jesus afterwards, you know, when when Jesus... um, feeds the 5,000, and then he tells them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Oh, it's because we didn't have enough bread. Jesus is like, what? come on, guys. What are you doing? You know, uh, or, or if when Jesus healed the 10 lepers, you know the story, Jesus healed the 10 lepers, and only one of them came back to, to thank him. Well, I would have been offended. Bunch of ungrateful. Leprosy again! <laughs> That's terrible. Um, you know, when Thomas doubted, I mean, doubted that Jesus was actually alive? Fine, Thomas. I'll find another disciple. Uh, Jesus didn't get offended. Uh, and, and we have to remember that, okay? Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. So how do we do that, okay? It's very simple. Uh, it, it's very simple, but it's not easy. Let me put it that way. It's very simple, but it's not easy. Look at Proverbs chapter number 19. Proverbs 19. The book of wisdom, so this is wise... To do this as well. Solomon says, Proverbs 19:11, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. To pass over a transgression. What does that mean? To overlook. To overlook an offense. Uh, overlooking offenses. Now, listen, that's not the same as, as pretending it didn't happen. Like you didn't see it. No, that is a a conscious decision to let it go. Don't sing the song. It is a form of forgiveness to overlook a transgression. Uh, That Hebrew word, pass over. Pass over, overlook. The Hebrew word, avor. Um, Instead of focusing on the offense, because that's what we do. When we're offended, when someone offends us and we've formed that story in our mind of how terrible this person is and how they've been planning this for months. They didn't even realize that they offended you. Uh, They've been planning this for years, just trying to make my life miserable. Instead of doing that, instead of dwelling on it, instead of uh, uh, replay, and that's what we do. We replay over and over what they said, the look that they gave me, 
uh, as they were passing, the fact that they didn't compliment my hair, I do that all the time, uh, the fact that they didn't look, look, look me up at church and, and thank me for this, we replay that over our mind. Instead of magnifying and making it worse than it is, we have to over it. We have to say, I'm over it. That's it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Uh, when someone makes a, a passive-aggressive comment to you, you've got to say, I'm over it. Uh, when, when a teacher has a critical remark about an assignment or an answer that you give in class, I'm over it. Uh, when a friend gripes about your driving or how loudly you chew gum or the fact that you, know, you don't do dishes, uh, I'm over it. I say, I'm over it. Um, and, th- and this is what we have to understand, and we'll finish here, okay? This is the mind of Christ, to not be offended. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But to continue on with that offense, to live offended, that's a choice that we have to make, and that is not the mind of Christ that we are to have. Uh, love does not seek to win an argument. Again, going back to we think we have to be right. We have to have the last word. I was terrible as, that, as, a, as a child. Just ask my mother. Um, in fact, don't. Um, love does not seek to win the argument. Love seeks to protect the relationship. That, that's the goal. It seeks to protect the relationship. It forgives in real time. It chooses to let go. Uh, Romans twelve eighteen says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably. Live peaceably. But he says, as much as lieth in you. So it's your choice. It's your choice. <laughs> it's your choice. Will you... Again, being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. But if you live offended, that's your choice. And your life is too short. And your calling is too great to be offended by something small. And so let's take that with us this year because, you know, I hope all of you get to spend the holidays with family. I hope all of you, just the next couple of weeks, those of you that are finishing up school, uh, it's still stressful. There's a lot going on. Tensions are high. And so can I remind you to bless, 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 continue blessing. Be a continuous blessing to those who are a continual problem. Let's live with peace. Peace.